Welcome to C3 Church, Queens Beach. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoyed this message today. Well, good morning, church. Uh, welcome to C3QB. My name is Eden Bracegirdle, for those of you who don't know me, and I coordinate our Life Kids program here at this wonderful church. And speaking of wonderful, I love our campus pastors, Nicole and Steve. Mark, can we give it up for Nicole and Steve? So good. There are many things I love about Nicole and Steve, but a standout for me is they have a heart to see people come to know Jesus Christ. And this is seen in the way they lead this church and in the way that they care for others. And we are so grateful to have you as our leaders. Uh, thank you for your leadership, for your integrity. And we just honour you. We love you. We're with you on this crazy adventure. And so, yeah, can we just give it up again for these two? They are awesome. Thank you for this opportunity to share the word this morning. Well, I'm just going to get right into it. There was once a man named Saul, a persecutor of Jesus Christ, who made it his mission to imprison all those, to persecute all those who put their faith in this name. One day, Saul personally encountered Jesus Christ for himself, and his life was altered forever. Uh, he became Paul, the proclaimer of Christ and the gospel message, the man who wrote almost half the books of the New Testament. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Paul travelled from place to place. He ministered and preached about Jesus, persuading people to repentance and faith in Christ. One of these places was a city named Corinth. Now, Corinth was a very influential and wealthy city at that time. It was central to trade routes and also had a reputation for being sexually promiscuous, prostitution and the like. So you could say not exactly the easiest place to be preaching about Jesus. But Paul went in there with his faith and he established the Corinthian church. He remained there for quite some time. And we read in Acts 18 verse 8, many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptised. So after remaining there for about a year and a half, Paul moved on to minister elsewhere in the next place that he had been called. Unfortunately, uh, things kind of turned to custard in Paul's absence and he received reports of immorality and division amongst the Corinthian believers on specific issues. And so he wrote a letter, uh, which we have as 1 Corinthians, and in this letter he addresses these problems and he answers questions that Corinthian believers had in relation to their faith. But there were those amongst the Corinthian believers, false teachers, who didn't like the confident authority of Paul's leadership. And so they challenged his apostolic authority and further divisions arose amongst the believers. So Paul wrote another letter. Oh, his hand must have been very tired. We have that as 2 Corinthians and he basically responds to this challenge. And throughout 2 Corinthians, and this is what I love about 2 Corinthians, is we see Paul's heart as a dedicated apostle and his passion for the ministry to which he is called. And in this letter, he explains his ministry of the gospel message. He calls the believers to uh, reconciliation and generosity and he defends his apostolic authority. And so we're going to look at one of the chapters from this great letter today. So I invite you to turn uh, to your Bibles or perhaps you've got it on your device to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to read this uh, together now and it'll be coming up on the screen behind me as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 starting at verse 1. 
Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Wow, what a clear exhortation to the believers to not lose heart, but to have an eternal perspective. And if there's anyone you could understand losing heart, it would be Paul, right? Because he was most likely facing a lot of discouragement in his ministry to the Corinthians, especially given the fact that there were those who were deliberately creating this division between uh, the Corinthian believers and himself as their leader. And so what's so incredible is that right in that first sentence, right at the very start, Paul acknowledges that it's God's mercy, the unmerited favour of his grace as the reason for which he has this ministry. He's establishing the foundation of his ministry. This declaration right at the start, we do not lose heart, comes from a complete assurance in what he was doing, in the purpose for which God had called him to. And he was confident, not because of his own ability, but because of Christ's sufficiency. And this is really the same for us as followers of Jesus today. It's not in our own strength or our own abilities that we're able to minister the gospel message and live out our faith. It is through God's mercy, found in relationship with Jesus Christ, which enables us to do this. Verse 2. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. Paul's referring to the false teachers there. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. Paul understood that everything he did was to point and to glorify, point back to Jesus and to glorify that name. Everything about his ministry and his call was to bring people back to the heart, to the gospel message of Jesus. And consistently throughout his New Testament writings, this is what we see. We see Paul persuading people to salvation in Christ wherever he went and regardless of the circumstances that were happening at the time. And this to me is what grounded him. Uh, he had a clear understanding of his purpose. That's why he could write these words, we do not lose heart. He knew that without Christ, his ministry would not be anything. These words are just as relevant for us today. When we have a revelation of God's grace for us through the gift of salvation in Jesus, when we have an assurance that in Jesus, we have a purpose for our lives, we do not easily lose heart. We understand that no matter what is happening around us, no matter the external circumstances, we can put our trust in a God who does not change, whose mercies are new every morning, who gives us all that we need to carry out the work to which he has assigned to us as ministers for Christ on this earth. If we have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, we are his ministers. 
representatives of the gospel message on this earth, just like Paul was. What's your ministry? You don't have to be up here preaching. You don't have to be a pastor or in full-time ministry to be a minister of the gospel. Newsflash, as followers of Christ, we are all his ministers. We're carriers of the gospel message and we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to live this out. And this is not for our own benefit. This is so that others would see Christ in us and would be able to come to know him as their personal Lord and Saviour. Here's the thing. This requires active participation on our part. We are called to be actively involved in spreading this message of Jesus Christ. What's your ministry? How can you be using your gifts and talents to point people to Jesus? If you're a part of this church family and you're not sure about this, I want to encourage you today, jump on a team at church and serve. You know, give something a go. It's a good place to start. Maybe it's inviting a friend to the next Alpha. Maybe it's inviting uh, your next door neighbours to big night out and then you bring your children here, you drop them off, you go out and you have dinner together. We all have a part to play, each and every one of us. And we're not meant to do this alone, but in community. And so I encourage you to be a part of ministering his gospel together in this community of faith. Now, some of you might be sitting here and thinking, me, a minister for Christ? Eden, don't be ridiculous. I'm too broken, sinful, useless, young, old. He wouldn't want me to minister. Perhaps you've been a Christian for a while and this is an area in which things have got a bit dry, a bit stale. You're thinking, oh, I don't know if I can really be used by God to minister to others. Well, let's keep reading from verse 7 and see what God's word says about this. Verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. The treasure Paul is referring to is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jars of clay refers to us, the carriers of this treasure, the good news. What's the significance of the jars of clay? Great question. Jars of clay were earthenware vessels. And back in those days, they had many uses. Items of value could be kept in them. They were great for storing liquids as the, the jars of clay would keep it very cool. And so they had a specific use, right? They were not void of purpose. And these jars of clay on the outside appeared fairly ordinary. Uh, and you can see there, they, uh, the, fragile, uh, the clay was very fragile and so it was prone to being broken, but they still had a specific use. And so Paul is likening the jars of clay to us as ministers of the gospel. God has entrusted you and me to be vessels of his gospel message. Wow. That is hugely significant. And uh, I love this footnote that from the King James uh, Study Bible on this passage, and it says this, When the jar is broken, the light shines brightly and does not go unnoticed. Indeed, it may have a powerful effect. Numerous people throughout human history have been broken only to reveal the great power of the Spirit of God. You know, just like those uh, clay jars, we in our humanity, we are weak and we are subject to being, being broken. But this is what reveals the greatness and the majesty 
of, of our almighty God. You know, it's like Paul's saying here, yes, in reality, in your humanness, you are fragile. You are broken. You do have cracks. There are parts of you that are not attractive. You know what they are. <laughs> but don't lose heart because as Christians, Jesus Christ is alive in us and it's his surpassing power and it's his unrivaled grace and it's his profound love that breaks through your weakness and he gets the glory. You see, it's because we have cracks in us, it's because we aren't perfect, it's because we don't have it all together that points people to the all-surpassing power of God that Paul writes about. We can't live out our faith without His grace and power helping us every step of the way. We're not taking the glory for ourselves. We are ministers of His grace. We are ministers of the message that despite our brokenness, God still loves us and that in Christ we have new life. God takes the ordinary person, those who will humble themselves before Him and He uses them to be an extraordinary influencer and carrier of the gospel with the power of the Holy Spirit enabling them. Do not lose heart you are a jar of clay cracks and all that God wants to shine through with his power verse 8 we are hard pressed on every side but not crushed perplexed but not in despair persecuted but not abandoned struck down but not destroyed amen well I can't say that I've experienced anything close here to what Paul went through although uh, it's a bit like being a person at the party and someone takes the last chocolate brownie from the plate and that is just so devastating to me because I had my eye on that brownie. I was like, mm-mm, that's mine. And then someone else comes in and steals it. Okay, so someone said it's a slight exaggeration, I guess. But in all seriousness, I can connect on some level when I read these words because there have been times in my life where I felt the storm raging around me. And I've been confused and battered by the circumstances of life. And I'm sure we can all relate to the raging storm, right? At the end of 2012, I remember being in this place. I had been in Perth for almost two years, uh, having moved over from New Zealand. And I was finding it really hard. Uh, my grandmother had passed away a few months prior and my boyfriend had recently broken up with me. I was on antidepressants because I had been diagnosed with clinical depression. And I had been house-sitting for a number of months because I didn't have a permanent place to go. And so all my possessions were in suitcases and storage. And uh, I was praying, asking God for clarity on my next steps. And so I had applied for Perth Bible College and as part of that, I had signed up for accommodation. And so it was looking fairly set to go for 2013. And God woke me up one morning. Sometimes when God wakes us up uh, and he talks to us, we feel great about it. And there are other times he wakes us up and we don't feel so good. And this was one of those mornings. He woke me up and he said, it's a good idea. It's not quite the right timing. So I want you to go and withdraw your application. And I'm thinking, there goes my accommodation. <laughs> Great. Uh, but obedience matters. And so I went and I withdrew my application. But I remember the sense of being hard-pressed on all sides. I felt really like things were just rocking and I couldn't find stability in that place. And at that time, I was questioning, oh, maybe I've made a mistake moving here. God, did I hear you correctly? What's going on? 
Affliction is not defeat. Do not lose heart, Paul says, because yes, we can be hard-pressed, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Just because we're going through a storm, it does not mean we're defeated. If we think we are defeated and we only look to the affliction, we will lose heart. But if we look to Jesus, it's a different story. Amen. While the storm is raging around us, we see that Jesus Christ is the constant, unchanging anchor of our souls. And in that storm, he gives us strength to rise above it. After my decision to withdraw from Perth Bible College, I ended up uh, applying at the Australian Institute of Family Counselling and I started studying there at the beginning of 2013. And, you know, that journey really led me on a new path, a path of freedom, and it played a part in me being here at C3. So God is faithful. So if you are in the storm, do not lose heart. And I want to share with you a vision I had during the week as I was preparing for today. Uh, I had a vision of a person standing uh, in the middle of a storm. It was swirling all around them, but it wasn't actually touching them. And their head was lifted up. They had both their hands raised high to the heavens. Praise and worship is your weapon. And it will keep you from losing heart, especially when things uh, are happening all around you that are uh, trying to really come at you and just like take that faith, just take a deposit from your faith account. When we praise and worship the Lord, it shifts our focus from the circumstances to the one who is above the circumstance. I mean, I have praise and worship music on a lot uh, at home, in my car, sometimes at work, particularly if things are maybe the days uh, going not so well. Uh, I'll close my office door and I'll, I'll just listen to a song. It just puts me back in the right perspective. When we praise the name of Jesus, it nullifies the power of the enemy. The enemy wants to discourage you. He wants to tell you to lose heart because that, that means he's, he's uh, I guess, coming in with a foot. He's got a bit of a foothold there and then that will then just gain, gain, gain. Uh, but when we praise the Lord, it breaks that power and many things have been broken off my life in praise and worship. So I want to encourage you to get that worship music going. Uh, listen to it as much as you can. And coming to Christ with that attitude of praise, you do not easily lose heart from that place. Jesus Christ is with you. The storm will not defeat you. And when you get to the shore, because you will, storms don't last forever, you will look back and you'll be able to give thanks to God for bringing you through. And even more than that, you'll be sharing about what you went through to encourage somebody else who's going through something similar. Verse 10. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive and are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow 
to the glory of God. Paul passionately, unashamedly and tirelessly proclaimed the gospel message no matter what he was going through. Surely we as followers of Christ want the grace of God to reach more and more people through the way we live our lives. How can we share our testimony so that we too may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God? A challenging question. I'm going to leave you with that one. Verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary. For what is unseen, oh wait, hang on. For what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, thank you, but what is unseen is eternal. And I want to read the message translation of this verse, verses 16 to 18 in the message version. So we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart on us. On the inside, where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times, the lavish celebration prepared for us. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today, gone tomorrow. But the things we can't see now will last forever. These hard times are small potatoes. Say with me, everyone. So we've got the small potato on the one side. You know, they're all right. You can boil them, put some butter on it, some salt and pepper. I don't know what you put on them. You can roast them, you can mash them. They're okay. They're okay. I'll take that. But then on the other side, you've got the big baked potato. And those of you that know me know I'm a bit of a Survivor fan, uh, or maybe more than a bit of a Survivor fan, I'd say. But anyway, um, and Jeff Probst, the host, he has this saying when he's uh, telling the tribe who's won a food reward, and if it's, there's a big baked potato involved, he says, a baked potato with all the fixings. <laughs> So, you know, that baked potato with the sour cream and the chives and the bacon and melted cheese. Mm, mm. I mean, those small potatoes, they really don't compare to that big baked potato with all the good stuff on top. Can I get an amen? Come on. Woo! When we see that hardship that we're going through with an eternal perspective, when we consider the eternal glory to come, it shifts our mindset to a place of faith and trust in Jesus. I'm not devaluing the hardships we experience. We all go through trials in this life and it can be very painful. And I know that there's some of you here today and you're experiencing that at the moment. But as Paul writes to the Corinthians, he's imploring them to shift the focus to what really matters. And that's Jesus Christ. All that his death and resurrection represents an eternal glory that far outlasts and outweighs the earthly life, that they would not lose heart, that we would not lose heart because we know that these trials and tribulations are not the final pages of the story, that day by day we would see with eyes of faith that as we allow ourselves 
to be renewed within by His transforming power, we would view our heartache in light of His unfolding grace. You know, the uh, way back when I was talking about earlier that time in my life, end of 2012, beginning of 2013, when I was really questioning my future here in Perth, I could have given up and I could have just made the decision to go back to New Zealand. After all, the circumstances appeared to be uh, not what I had imagined and it was definitely something that made me question my decision. But in those moments of confusion and doubt and fear, I made the decision to see with eyes of faith. I refused to lose heart and to lose the heavenly perspective. And let me tell you, it wasn't a huge amount of faith, but I brought the faith I had. You know, it was maybe about this big, but I brought it to the Lord. And I said, you know what, God? You've been faithful all this time and you'll continue to be faithful. And so give me the courage that I need to take the next step. Sometimes we've just got to come with what we have and offer it to the Lord and say, Lord, it's yours. Help me. And he will because he's faithful. And I'm standing here today because of that reason, the fact that I looked to to heaven. I went, God, help me. And he did. I didn't stay looking at all the things that were going wrong. I fixed my eyes on Jesus. I fixed my eyes on the eternal significance of my life. I fixed my eyes on His grace, His power, and His love that lasts forever. Do not lose heart. See with eyes of faith even if it feels like a morsel of faith. Bring it before the throne of Jesus. Fix your eyes not on the storm, but on the one who calms the storm. Jesus is calling us, church, to not lose heart, to see the bigger picture, the eternal plan above the earthly struggle. He's calling you and me to see above the waves to a place where we do not lose heart, but instead we take heart because we know Jesus is the one who holds our future and He guides us safely to shore. He is a faithful God. When those bills are coming in, one after the other, do not lose heart. When your marriage seems to be in a standstill do not lose heart. When your child is going through that struggle, do not lose heart. When you're sick and you're waiting for that healing, do not lose heart. When you're struggling with your parenting, do not lose heart. When you're waiting for something that God promised you long ago, do not lose heart. When you're not sure of the next step, do not lose heart. When you're feeling overwhelmed by anxiety, by depression, do not lose heart. Jesus Christ has got it covered. Do not lose heart. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more of our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, head to c3hh.com.au forward slash give.